Advanced Principles Podcast, or app, was created to be an outlet for like-minded individuals to share in the broader conversations on leadership, retail market updates, and incredible personal success stories. On app, you will hear a collection of stories from the titans of the retail industry, as well as thought and practice leaders covering the spectrum of the economy. Please click the subscribe button and look for the newest episodes to be released. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We don't have an option to sit it out on the sidelines. That is a great question. I would have been asked that one before. Be the only stable thing in your life at that exact moment. Melvin L. Smith, PhD, is a professor in the Department of Organizational Behavior and faculty director of executive education at the Case Weatherhead School of Management. He is also chairman of the board of the Graduate School Alliance for Education and Coaching, board president of the Edge Sports and Arts Academy, and board member of the Wilbert Company. Dr. Smith received his PhD in organizational behavior in human resource management from the University of Pittsburgh's Katz Graduate School of Business. He also holds a bachelor's degree in general management and accounting from Purdue University and an MBA in marketing from Clark Atlanta University. Dr. Smith's research and teaching focus on leadership and emotional intelligence in the workplace, as well as the development and use of human and social capital in organizations through executive coaching. He is co-author of the book, Helping People Change, Coaching with Compassion for Lifelong Learning and Growth. In addition to his work with numerous U.S. organizations, Melvin has worked with executives in Canada, Dubai, India, New Zealand, Scotland, and Trinidad. He has also served as a visiting professor at Isad Business School in Barcelona, Spain, where he co-taught a senior executive education course on emotionally intelligent leadership. Prior to completing his doctoral work at the University of Pittsburgh, Melvin spent over 15 years in a series of sales, marketing, management, and organization development positions with a number of Fortune 500 companies, including IBM, Pepsi-Cola, and H.J. Hines. A lot of people also say you can't teach leadership. You're either born a leader or you're not a leader. Um, is there any merit to that? Is, is that? is that still a phrase that sticks today or is that fully dispelled in your opinion? Yeah, so, so I, I have my own belief and, and a lot of um, what people have thought for years has been dispelled in, in, in many ways, but there's still that argument, you know, and yeah, some people are just natural born leaders, either you're born a leader or you're not, to your point. Uh, and so I will say that there's some merit to the fact that some people just more naturally have certain characteristics uh, that, that lend themselves to them being more effective as, as, as leaders. So, so certain things may be more trait-based or inborn in terms of some people are just blessed in certain ways with gifts, and that's great. Now, having said that, that does not mean that if you're not blessed in that way, you're not born with certain traits that just make you naturally more effective in certain ways as a leader, that doesn't mean that you're doomed to not be an effective leader, right? Because we know for a mm-hmm. fact that those things that do uh, make for effective leadership uh, can be learned and developed, right? Uh, with the right mindset, with the right openness, with the right intentionality and with the right effort. So, yeah. so, so, so it's not, hey, look, if you're not born with it, you're out of luck. You know, you're doomed to never be an effective leader uh, because we do know that's not true now. And you can grow into being an outstanding leader, even if you're not 
born on third base, if you will. <laughs> but but yeah. some people are born on third base. That's just it. So so and that's where some of the myth comes in. Some people are just very natural at certain things. Others have to work a little bit harder at it. Yeah. Probably not unlike sports. Some people are just natural athletes in a particular sport and pick up a ball and do everything. Wow, they just they're, they're phenomenal. Other people can become great athletes in whatever their sport is, but they may have to work very hard at mm. doing it. Right. So yeah, it doesn't mean you can't be great. You just may have to work a little bit harder than somebody else to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Great analogy there to wrap that up. I think that's fantastic. Now, with all of that and all the, the dialogue about leadership and learning and emotional intelligence, all that, I, I really think leaders have been stretched these last two, two and a half years now yeah. in ways that I don't know that anyone ever really anticipated. Certainly when I was early in my career and I had the desire to lead people, lead teams, participate in leadership, I never thought I'd have to do it remote. I never thought I'd have to do it over a web camera. Uh, because to me, so much of that human connection is what builds that resonance. Right. Um, so you, you had the pandemic. Uh, certainly, there's all kinds of social justice issues going on right there that I think are stretching leaders. What do I opine on? What do I not opine on? What am I okay? What you know, all of that. Um, it, now you've got supply chain issues and stress right. and anxiety. Now we've got a conflict breaking out in Eastern Europe. How how are you? consulting or coaching people to navigate these very turbulent waters of leadership these, mm. these days? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good question. And, and it's tough. I mean, it's it's been tough for a while. So we've been kind of in the rapids, if you will, for a while. But but right now, it's like it's 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 like overwhelming. And, and many, many people feel that sense of overwhelm, given all the things you just described there. Um, I mean, so there was a coin that was turned years ago uh, that we were already starting to talk to people about, which is VUCA. Uh, the fact that we live in this world is volatile, uh, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Mm. And leading through those types of situations is difficult, right? Uh, and, but once you understand that that's kind of the world that we live in, then you can throw the next, you know, situation and the one after that. And one, you, they're all they're all coming, but but still, it's, it's that same ability to kind of keep your head on a swivel uh, and, and kind of be ready for that next thing. Uh, to be adaptable, to be flexible, to recognize that what worked yesterday is not necessarily going to work tomorrow uh, because there's something that tomorrow that you haven't anticipated and the world's going to change again. Mm -hmm. so, so as long as you have that mindset, it almost doesn't matter what the next thing is that gets thrown at you because you're ready, you're agile, you're saying, hey, look, you know, I've, I've equipped myself for what I'm dealing with today, but I've also equipped myself to deal with whatever that next wave is, is going to hit me tomorrow. Uh, so, so getting people to kind of put themselves in that space where they're always ready to kind of anticipate that next thing, to be adaptable, to be flexible, to be constant learners, uh, to not think that they have mastered it or that they know it all uh, and being willing to kind of um, learn, grow, change, adapt. I think that's key. But then also helping people understand, and this comes within the emotional intelligence context, that they're leading people through these difficult times as well. And just as it's difficult for us to lead in those times, it's difficult for people to just to perform or to operate or exist in those times as well. So being empathetic and showing kind of care, concern, and compassion for the people you're leading around the fact that like all these changes, all this turbulence, all this uncertainty, this is very difficult for them as well. And showing, mm. showing them that you understand and appreciate that and showing them grace when they're experiencing difficulties and challenges. So that's so, so important as well. So helping leaders understand that it's not just them and figuring out how to go through these challenges as leaders, 
show compassion, show understanding, show grace to the people you're leading who are also going through these complex, difficult, challenging times. Yeah, I, I just, that is so spot on. There's so many thoughts going through my head on that because, you know, as an associate, if you're, if you're looking to the leader during these times, you're looking for answers. You're looking right. for confidence. That might be the only stable thing in your life at that exact moment. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I think a leader's balancing act right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, is showing that confidence, showing that right. poise, showing that sense of character, but also the empathy and acknowledgement that we are in an uncertain world, you know, right. of, of the, the, the equation of the VUCA side. I don't have all the answers. But, you know, we're going to all get through this together. I think it's just such a powerful thing. And as you were saying that, I'm envisioning team meetings, whether they're over Zoom or in person these days, who knows, but that leader being able to, to walk that balance beam, is that a fair assessment? Oh, it really is. That's very well said. Uh, and, and I think the way you just described it there, and that's an excellent way to address the group, because what you demonstrated in that statement was transparency. Um, um, and, and so it's not pretending like just because people do look to you as the leader to, to the one to kind of show that confidence, et cetera. But you don't want it to be a false confidence. Like I have all the answers. Everything's going to be OK. When people are like, well, how do you know that? <laughs> what if it's not going to be OK? So, 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 so it's OK to be transparent and say, look, we don't know what the future holds. But <laughs> right. So, so, so you want you want to have that confidence, but, but be very transparent and open about, look, th these are difficult times. Right. I realize that and I acknowledge that. And we're going to be faced with even more difficult time, right? But we can get through it. You know, I'm hopeful we can get through it. And here's how we're going to do that, right? So, so not trying to pretend like you have all the answers, like you, like you know, that you know exactly what the future holds. That you know you're not worried about anything because oftentimes you are. Mm -hmm. Just be transparent with, about it, and, and people can can normally trust you more and have a greater sense of confidence when they see that transparency and they see that openness and honesty that that, that you're dealing with them with. So yeah. Such great advice, just absolutely spot on, just phenomenal. So as, as people are coming into the courses um, uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, pandemic and still today, yeah. you know, what, are, what are a few things when you open up a course for individuals to look at? Obviously, they're going to learn a lot yeah. to some level, even possibly overwhelmed with the information and the conversations that they're having. What are, what are one, two or three things that you just you really emphasize and implore them to grab hold of and take as actionable items as they move uh, forward and out of the uh, classroom? Yeah, so, 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 so for me, and I'll answer this from a, a more macro perspective, um, at least first, um, and that is no matter what the specific course is or, or subject matter or content area is, I want everybody to think about as they're coming into that big picture, what is it you're trying to become? as a leader, as a person, et cetera. Um, and, and, and really think about that, you know, not what is somebody telling, why are you, know, somebody told you need to go to this class because, but, but what are you trying to achieve? Bigger picture, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, okay, with that in mind, where are you today relative to that? You know, where are you kind of mm -hmm. in some ways aligned with that, but in some ways maybe you're not there, you're falling short, you need to learn more, you need to think about doing things differently. That's the second thing. So, so, so number one, Big picture, what are you trying to achieve? What do you, where do you want to go? Who do you want to become? Number two, where are you relative to that? And then the third thing is, okay, now what's your plan initially to begin to take a step forward and moving in the direction of what you're trying to become, right? So, so, so those three things, no matter what the specific content area is, if you have that type of framing mm -hmm. on a very large scale, that opens you up for getting the most out of whatever it is you're going to be sitting there in the course for, for a day or two hours or whatever it might be. You put it in that frame and then you're kind of 
just picking out, okay, this is exactly what I need to know to help me get to where I want to go. Here's where I'm falling short. Here's where I'm already in alignment. And here's what I'm going to do a little bit differently now to move me closer mm -hmm. in that direction. So, so those three simple things, you know, who am I trying to become? What am I trying to do? Where am I today relative to that? And what's my plan? That first step I can take to move me closer in that direction. Having that mindset will maximize what you get out of anything you approach. I, I was just going to say that it, that applies to almost everything in life, right? I mean, I can't, I'm trying to think of something that it doesn't apply know, to, right? but, it, but it really does. You know, I'm an avid golfer and I just exactly, go to my right. golf game. Uh, I absolutely, it's just, I, I can't think of anything that it doesn't apply to. So what a great, simple foundational way to step into the program. It's just and, outstanding. And, and it does, it seems simple. In fact, it's oversimplified, but the thing is most of us or most people don't approach most situations with that very simple mindset. Yeah. And if they were to do that, they would, they would make, more significant strides toward achieving whatever they wanted to achieve just by taking that simple mindset. Yeah, they're just fantastic. So you're also involved in a lot of coaching. So not only do you coach a lot of executives, but you coach coaches who coach executives. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you have a lot of involvement in that. And executive coaching is another thing that has really taken off in recent yeah, it's years. Mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is just phenomenal. And it, and, it, and it absolutely excites me about the level of engagement that leaders are showing out there. Why do you think that is? Uh, you know, we talked a lot about the executive education piece, yeah. but one-on-one, -on -one, very intimate setting coaching. Uh, why do you think that has taken off so much? Yeah. Um, so, so I think part of it is, is that the early misconception around coaching has for most people been lifted. Uh, when coaching first emerged on the scene uh, and people started getting coaches, it was unfortunately often applied just when somebody was in trouble, uh, you're getting ready to fire them unless they kind of mm. overcame whatever. So it was like, so, so, so there, there was a stigma associated with coaching that, okay, if you get a coach, that means, oh, you're in trouble. You know, so, so people wanted to avoid it like the plague. Like, oh, I'm a coach, that means you know, I'm about to get fired here. So, uh, so, so once it began to expand beyond that and largely through uh, leadership development programs, like the ones we run that incorporate coaching as a part of those, where everybody that goes in the program gets a coach or, just broader use of coaching in organizations. Uh, so the stigma has been somewhat lifted and simultaneously people who have been going through coaching and the more and more people who do begin to see that, wow, this makes a difference. So not only in sitting in a class and learning kind of new things kind of helped me in my growth, but having to your point that one-on-one -on -one personal attention where it's being tailored to me and my specific desires, mm. needs, challenges, thought processes, ways of looking at the world because it's tailored so specifically to me that then is going to facilitate and enhance my growth and my development. Uh, so, so people see that yeah, the growth is just phenomenal when you have that one-on-one -on -one attention with somebody kind of facilitating your learning, your growth and development. Uh, and that's the other thing because coaching is this facilitative type of relationship. It's not somebody like a boss who's going to tell you what to do. It's somebody who's going to help you learn and grow in ways on your own to help you accomplish and achieve certain things. So it helps build that capability. So those things together have helped people see, man, this is a phenomenal way to learn, grow and develop. And because of it, I can say it's growing and as you illustrated, oh. it's like crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. So I think selecting a coach is, is it's a very personal decision. It's a personal yeah. journey. Um, and listen, I, I think I see an ad at least three times a day, you know, right. sign up for a coaching certificate. It doesn't make you an executive coach, but, yep. uh, yep. so how do you encourage people to start that process of 
identifying what who would be a good coach for them, what what area of expertise, what level of intimacy, what level of involvement, all those types of things. How do you recommend people at least get started on that quest? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, so, so first of all, I think you want to think about what type of coaching you're looking for. In other words, what are you looking to achieve? Uh, because there's not just one big bucket of people kind of called coaches and they're all doing the same thing. There are different types of coaches. Like some people are career coaches. Some people are more label themselves as life coaches. Some people are transition coaches. They help people transition from one job to another, one level to another, one thing to another. Some people are, you know, team coaches. So, so you want to think about what type of, of learning or growth are you looking to experience? And then start by looking at coaches who specialize ideally in that area. Uh, then you want to also think about, you know, your own style, your own approach, uh, and think about what type of coach in terms of their approach is going to be best suited to work with you in terms of just a fit. Uh, so again, think about like, you know, people who engage with personal trainers, they're very different types of personal trainers. There are some mm-hmm. that are like in your face, screaming at you, give me two more reps, <laughs> you know, give it to me now. No. For some people, that, that's a turnoff. They don't want that, right? They want a more supportive, you know. So if you want to think about what type of coach in terms of their approach and their style is going to be best suited to you and, and how you like to be approached. And, you know, so, so you want to think about that as well. Uh, and you also want to think about and ask coaches, you know, what's the model or approach that you utilize in general within this space? Uh, and probably even before that, what's your level of certification? Well, you know, where were you trained and what's your, because coaching, again, as we said, it's grown dramatically uh, and it's been unregulated as an industry. So anybody or everybody can kind of hang out a shingle and say, I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. And as a person who's consuming that, you have no idea if this person down the street that just hung up a shingle who says he's a coach if he's any good or if, 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 if he's a charlatan or you have no idea. So, so if they're affiliated with some kind of body because they've been accredited or certified or gone through a certain approach, then you at least have some sense of confidence saying, okay, I'm familiar with that body or they, they've gone through some certifying body that, that, that's, that certifies or says that this person has at least learned this, is adhering to this set of ethical standards or conduct guidelines, et cetera. So, so all those things are important as you're selecting a coach to think about uh, you know, where a coach sits in, in, in all those spaces. Yeah. And, yeah. And which of those is best suited for you and what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the top of the Google search bar. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, right. it's a lot more complicated than that. I think it is much really... more complicated. I mean, you can use Google to kind of begin to narrow it down some, but you want to have a set of questions that you ask a person before you launch into a coaching relationship. Yeah. Right? And those are some yeah. of the things you want to think about or consider as you put together your list of questions to begin asking people. Yeah. That's really good. So, you know, on, on leadership is it's ever evolving and, and the dynamics of life are changing and the balancing act that everyone's playing. What, where do you see leadership going in the next year? I mean, we can't even talk five years anymore, right? right? I mean, that time <laughs> has been so compressed. What's the next big transition or transformation in leadership, do you think? Yeah, uh, that's a tough one because, I mean, it's, it's, as we said, with this VUCA world, you know, you never know what the next wave is or what's coming next. Uh, so, so, so I'll speak to just where we are now based on the latest wave, uh, which is kind of really still kind of coming off of this pandemic and all of the things that have come from that one being just where and how work gets performed. Mm. Uh, we were already starting to move into a world where 
you had some remote work or some virtual things taking place, but it was still a pretty small degree relative to the amount of in-person face-to-face work that was taking place in most environments. Uh, now you have a situation where, because we were forced during this pandemic to move to this remote or virtual space, you have a much larger percentage of teams and individuals who are now working remotely. Uh, and even now, as we begin to kind of come back to work or be able to come back to work, there's this reluctance on the part of very many to do so, even though it may be safe. To mm-hmm. do so. You have people are saying, okay, I've shown you the last two years, I can do my job remotely. Why do I have to come back in the office? Uh, and organizations that are progressive are saying, you're right. So we're going to work out something. So, so now this next wave of leadership and there's something that's different. Uh, and some people are already starting to have to wrestle with this, but now most of us are going to have to wrestle with this is how do you effectively lead in either a virtual or remote environment or at best a hybrid environment where either everybody is remote or several people of the people you're leading are remote and at different times. So that's it, a different mindset. It's, there's a different set of skills you need to make sure everybody feels included, mm-hmm. everybody feels engaged. So being able to figure out how most of us are going to need to figure out how to effectively lead in that virtual and or hybrid environment uh, and to still create those resonant, engaging, inspiring relationships between us as a leader and those we're leading, but also how to help others build those same connections amongst themselves uh, as a team, if they're not seeing yeah. one another uh, as well. So, 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 so the leaders who can figure that out and do that most effectively uh, in the near term here, I think are going to be those who are catching the, this latest wave and, and, and riding that wave and figuring out how to be more effective as leaders. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We don't have an option to sit it out on the sidelines. Exactly. Everyone's in this, we got to participate. Yeah, but it will be <laughs> interesting really to see where it goes. <laughs> um, so you have, you have several published articles. You co-authored yeah. a book recently. Uh, just fantastic. And I mean, I, for you in, your, in your entire journey, that had to be such a surreal moment. Co-authoring a book published through Harvard Publishing House, such an accomplishment. Um, and I'm sure it's the first of many to come. Uh, can you shed some light on what you're potentially working on next? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing is, uh, well, we've done a lot of things from the book. So we, we're doing a lot of kind of speaking engagements and, um, and we um, have published some, you know, Harvard Business Review articles coming from the book as well. But, but the next thing coming from that book and that effort uh, that, we, that we took to went into that is, we're actually working with a company, uh, Psychological Technologies, uh, over in the UK to create an app based on the book. Mm. Uh, so we've been working on that actually for a couple of years now, which has been quite a, a process, but we're getting very, very close to launching that app. So it's going to be like now to be able to take those concepts that we teach and help people figure out how to really help others change and learn and grow in the palm of their hands, on their phone, an app that kind of takes them through guided exercises. So that's something we're really excited about. So that's kind of the next big thing that we're working on. Wow. Uh, based on from the content that we already have been teaching and, and writing about. Uh, the next thing that personally I'll be writing about, and my colleagues as well, with Richard Boyatzis and Ellen Van Osten, um, co-authors for the book, uh, we, as well as some others, have formed what we call a um, these academic kind of study groups that we form periodically to talk about a particular emerging topic. And the latest study group that we're coming together around on a regular basis now to discuss and frame research ideas is on this notion of peer coaching. Mm. Uh, so, so that's the next emerging wave in the coaching field is this sense of, now everybody's seeing the benefit of kind of getting this executive coaching, 
The problem is, however, is it's still relatively expensive uh, for many people. So when you think about a slice of an organization, typically only certain individuals kind of qualify for a coach and the organization will pay for a coach for them. So the issue becomes, how do you push coaching you know, further down in the organization where more people get access to it. Mm. Uh, there's a term now that we're calling the, the uh, democratization of coaching. Wow. Uh, so, so there are a variety of ways to do that. And we're looking at them, or, or the two most important that we think, and we're looking at both from a research perspective. One is an emerging wave on artificial intelligence in coaching. Mm. And it's a scary way for some, but they're now... Uh, organizations that are programming these artificial intelligence engines and creating coaching bots. So it's a robot that does coaching or an artificial intelligence engine that does coaching. So individuals are are coached by something that's not even a real human. (laughs) But but, but quite amazingly, they're finding that for some applications of coaching, these coaching bots can be quite effective, which is scary Hmm. in some ways, but it's coming. (laughs) Yeah. But but uh, but that makes coaching available to again the masses when you kind of mm-hmm. program it into an artificial intelligence engine and make it available to everybody. But the other thing that we're looking at that would help democratize coaching uh, that keeps the human involved uh, is this notion of peer coaching, where you give people some skills and and, and allow people uh, to have models, skip, excuse me, skills and forums where they can kind of coach one another without needing an outside you know executive coach to be hired to come in. Uh, and, and we have a lot of applications we're working on and beginning to research now with this notion of peer coaching uh, to have multiple individuals in all types of settings or all types of organizations coaching one another at all levels to still get that benefit of coaching. But again, do it in such a way that it's made accessible to almost everyone. So wow, those are some of the things that we're working on here um, near term. <laughs> I think it's just a fantastic mission. And opening up coaching, because you're right, it is it is limited to a very select few who either get chosen by their company to be yep. sponsored or have the means to pay for it, because you're right, it's exactly. not an inexpensive venture to go down. <laughs> um, and so I wish you all the success in the world, you and your peers that you're working yep. on that with, um, because it is something that the, the, the mass population can benefit tremendously from, um, because we all have room to grow, like, like we said earlier. Right. Yeah. So Melvin, this has been extraordinary. There's at least 10 more hours, like I said, near the beginning <laughs> of conversation right. that, that I certainly want to have with you. Hopefully yep. you'll be a guest on app again um, yep. and continue to pick your brain and, and le- learn to lead from you and see where the trends are going. Dive in a little bit more scientifically and emotional intelligence and everything else that you're working on. Um, but this has been fantastic. I'm so appreciative of your time. Now, before we let you go, we do have to get into the fast five though and, and get your five questions that you're not <laughs> at all ready for and have a little bit of fun. All right. I'm trusting you here, Ryan. All right. (laughs) All right. So um, you went to the University of Pittsburgh to get your uh, degree, your doctoral degree, if I'm not mistaken. I did. Um, So I have the affiliation there. So Steelers or Browns? This is a big rivalry. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a rivalry in some people's minds, some people, you know, the other. Exactly. So what side of that fence post are you on? That's an easy one. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland fans won't like to hear this, but I'm still Steelers all the way. <laughs> After 20 years, that's one conversion you cannot make. Some con- I moved around a lot in my, in my life, and you can make some transition from one team to another. 
but you really can't go from being mm. a Steelers fan to a Browns fan or probably vice versa. So mm-hmm. I'm still Steelers all the way, <laughs> all the way, all the way. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the next several years it go in the generation without big Ben. I mean, that was, well, the tide uh, may be turning a little bit. Move. We'll see. It may become yeah. a rivalry again. Cause that's been quite a, a bit of domination over the last 20 years, but yeah, yeah you could say that. turning a little bit. We'll see. It'll yeah. Yeah. Exciting again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it'd be good to see some excitement in those uh, exactly. games twice a year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so you've traveled extensively for work, both on the corporate side, but now certainly yeah. in your academic role and in, in your consulting role and your coaching role role. Um, what, what, what's been your favorite professional travel destination that you've been to? Uh, probably New Zealand, uh, just in terms of the combination of uh, the topography. I mean, just water everywhere, beautiful mountains, volcanoes. So the topography, but then also the people, just a beautiful people in New Zealand. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so, so by far. Plus, I'm, I'm a spring and summer kind of person. I love mm-hmm. spring and summer. Uh, and what I always loved about doing work in New Zealand is they're counter seasonal to us. So my dream has always been to have a place in New Zealand as well as a place here. So I could spend spring and summer here in the U S and then go to New Zealand and spend, spend spring and summer in New Zealand and then come back. And just, so I always just get spring, summer, spring, summer, and I can skip fall and winter. <laughs> I, I'm all in. I might be attending your, uh, your spring, summer, New Zealand right. classes down there. That, and by the way, not to mention, I think that they have the most beautiful accent on earth. They do. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool. Just, yeah. It, yeah, it is so cool. It's so easy to listen to. No yeah, question. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, so you and I, when we were together, you were paired in my, in my little pod at the art museum, uh, down in the basement. We had to do a little get to know your neighbor, kind of a, a truth or lie, if you remember. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you mentioned, uh, in that, that you had a recent brush in with a celebrity here in the Cleveland area. And I think it was Geraldo Rivera. Yeah. Exactly. So, Good uh, wow. <laughs> very curious to see. Um, with all your travels and all the uh, large companies and organizations you've been with, what's your biggest celebrity brush in? Whether it's a, an intro or seeing somebody or being introduced to somebody, uh, biggest celebrity, most recognizable. That's a good one. Um, I've had a few that's a, I can think about, but but probably, and this goes before my academic days. So, so I spent a number of years at Pepsi, and Pepsi's a huge marketing company, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, um, I, I was one of my stints with Pepsi. I was in Orlando, Florida as an area marketing manager. Uh, and I was there at the time that Shaquille O'Neal was being drafted out of oh, college. Yeah. And his first team was the Orlando Magic. So he signed on with Pepsi right away. So we did a lot of promotions and stuff with Shaq. So wow. before he even became as, as huge a star as, as he is in, or was in the NBA, I got a chance to kind of meet Shaq and do some literal, you know, promotions where we did stuff with him, which was pretty cool. Oh, that um, had to be so cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And from my, from everything I've heard, he is a larger than life figure he is. Uh, <laughs> in size, but also in humanity. Yeah. His, his, his personality sounds like just a great is, he's, guy. Like a, he's like a big kid. I mean, it was so, wow. so fun uh, kind of being able to do work with him. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Super cool. Great story. So, you know, I think, uh, personal opinion, to be a great teacher, you have to be a phenomenal student, uh, because I think you just have to constantly want to soak up that knowledge, not that I'm a teacher or profess to be, but I, I do see that correlation, um, and certainly I've picked up from you through this conversation and previous conversations that you are just constantly seeking additional knowledge, whether it's through conversation or absorption through reading or experience or whatever it is. So 
in your 20 years of being on the academic side and teaching, what has been your favorite student experience? What, what, what was the most enjoyable learning experience that you had? That is a great question. I don't know if I've been asked that one before. Um, that one's tough. There have been so many. because I, mean, I, I literally consider myself to be a lifelong learner. Um, and so my initial inclination is to think about it from a solitary point in terms of just reading. I read so many different things and uh, there's so many things that strike me uh, from that perspective. I'm trying to think about a group learning experience uh, that would be the most impactful or meaningful. Um, oh man, it's so tough for me to say one. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna use my doctoral experience broadly speaking, just that whole period in life when I made that transition from the corporate world to the academic world. Uh, and I allowed myself to kind of unplug from the doing in the 15 years of producing results for organizations and to be in that space where I was allowed to just read thousands of pages of material every week, literally <laughs> thousands of pages. Uh, and, and to not only digest, but to think about my own thoughts or to develop my own thoughts about whatever it is I'm, I was reading and to challenge what other people had suggested. Uh, so, so to me, that was just an incredible space to be in uh, because I used to always tell people that the transition from going through school like an undergrad, you're supposed to just read stuff and memorize it and regurgitate it. Then in graduate school, you get like an MBA or a master's degree, you want to be able to read stuff and take it in, but think about and then talk about how you would apply it to a particular situation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in a doctoral program, it changes completely because now you're reading stuff and you're challenging, not just accepting, you're challenging what's already been done and finding holes in it, figure out ways to extend it and add new learning to it. And so to me, being in that space where you had that open invitation to just read scores of information and, and, and what we think or we know exists and to challenge that and to create something new from that, uh, that was just an amazing place to be in for a number of years for me. So I'd have to yeah, say Yeah, so cool. So cool. It was fun watching you go through that process and reliving that experience. That was, that was very enjoyable for me. So certainly, you know, you are tasked with teaching very accomplished people, yeah. very accomplished people in all walks of life. Yep. And I would imagine that some people walk into conversations with you, whether it's into a classroom, private coaching session or group facilitation um, yep. that think they don't need to be there. This, right. this is just not for them. They've done, been here, done that. It's kind of that guy or gal that we talked about in the beginning, those who can yeah. do, those who can't teach. Yeah. What's, what, you know, obviously don't share any personal details here, but right. what's been the most difficult individual that you've had to uh, address uh, and, and get them to flip around? Yeah, yeah. So great question. So, so and then this stands out for me and then pops immediately to mind. So again, we, we've done this work, I've done this work all over the world. And one place we've uh, done this work, I was doing it for quite some time going over two or three times a year was in Scotland. Uh, and we were doing an executive education program in Scotland where we we're teaching this emotional intelligence and intentional change about finding your vision for life, et cetera. Uh, and I don't know how much you know about Scotland, but, but there, there was one table of, of guys, these execs, just old crusty, curmudgeonly kind of guys. They were like, all right, this is bullshit, you know? <laughs> and, I, and, I was, and I was thinking like, oh my goodness, how am I gonna do like a two day class with this attitude, but even with that table, 
a very curmudgeonly, crusty, naysaying, you know, I don't want to hear this, I'm forced to be here. The fact that by the end of that two days, that whole table had been fully converted, fully embracing this idea of thinking about who they really wanted to be in their future, thinking about the power of emotional intelligence. I mean, that convinced me that anybody can turn around because I thought going into that, that okay, I'm, this is going to be a miserable experience. Wow. Um, the fact that that whole table of individuals turned around and by the end of it was, you know, almost singing Kumbaya, like that, that was, it warmed my heart thinking, hey, like anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, just a great story. That What a great way uh, to end our Fast Five. Uh, great little uh, look into, into that experience in that world and how to overcome what could have been a very sour negative situation, ruined yeah. it for a lot of other people in there, <laughs> right. um, but way to stay persistent and overcome. So fantastic. So Melvin, thank you again. I highly encourage everyone to check out the book, Helping People Change, as well as check out all the courses available in the coaching certifi or certification and coaching availability there at Weatherhead. Um, just a phenomenal conversation. I really appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. So thank you again for being a guest here on app with us. No, I thank you for the invitation, Ryan. I do have to take a moment just to commend you. I mean, ever since we uh, first ran across one another when you went through the Leadership Deep Dive program, I mean, I've just been so impressed by your willingness and eagerness to learn and your enthusiasm for these topics and not only to kind of learn them, but to figure out how you can then turn around and translate and share them to others so, or with others. So kudos to you. And I just love your passion for learning. And it's been a great conversation. I get excited uh, sharing things with you because of your excitement for, uh, for, for learning and building on sharing your knowledge as well. So thank you very much for the invitation and the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely looking forward to another one. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, you, Melvin. Uh, all right. Take care. Yeah. Bye now. Bye-bye.